0: our Gospel opens with the two disciples who had encountered Christ on the road to Emmaus, meeting up with the other disciples in Jerusalem, enthusiastically sharing with them how Jesus was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. Now, if you remember the account, those two disciples did not recognize the risen Lord as he walked among them. And so the risen Lord had to interpret all the scripture texts that pertained to him. Something that probably took the entire day. And they still weren't getting it. It was only at dinner time, when Jesus took, blessed, and broke bread, the light bulb went on. And those two disciples realized it was the risen Lord, at which point Jesus immediately vanished from their sight. They were so thrilled that they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us, meaning something was going on inside of them, while he talked to us on the road, while he opened the scriptures, filled with the light of faith, renewed in their relationship with Jesus, they walked back to Jerusalem some seven miles at night You have to understand, most ancient peoples avoided walking at night. Now our Gospel reading has those two with the other disciples. They had just witnessed what they experienced. And then Jesus suddenly appeared to all of them. And they responded with fear. I wonder if the two who had seen Jesus earlier also responded with fear. Did the fear of their brothers cause them to forget what they had experienced on the road to Emmaus? Fear can do that to us. But according to the text, they thought they were seeing a ghost. Now keep in mind, they didn't say that out loud, but thought it among themselves. The risen Lord did what he does best. He confronted their fears head on with reality and said out loud the fear they harbored within themselves. You know, when the fear we have is made public, when it is made known, when we say it out loud, we strip it of its power. He said, look at my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. He invited them to touch him, to see that he has flesh and bones which of course a ghost doesn't have. Jesus went so far as to ask them if they had something to eat and they offered him a piece of baked fish which he ate in front of them. Now his resurrected and glorified body had no need for any kind of nourishment just as our resurrected and glorified bodies won't have any need for nourishment though I suspect blueberry muffins would be the exception. (laughs) But if eating in their presence, as Jesus had done so often during his earthly ministry, would calm them down and he could reason with them, then that's what Jesus would do. Then the gospel tells us that Jesus did for them what he did for those two disciples on the road to Emmaus. He opened their minds to understand the scriptures. What did that mean then? What does that mean today? For most of us moderns, there is a natural, and may I say, a dangerous tendency to interpret this to mean that the disciples were given series of lectures, an intellectual framework to grapple with the resurrection. That is a very deficient unsatisfying perspective. And here we need, as best we can, to recapture the ancient's use of the words understanding and knowing. Those words were not simply about engaging the intellect, as we moderns use them, but of having an intimate relationship the gospel is essentially telling us, both in the account of the two disciples being taught, on the script- taught the scriptures on the road to Emmaus, and now when they are all together, that Jesus opened their minds not to just the truth that he rose from the dead, but to a renewed relationship with him, to a deeper intimacy with him. And it was that relationship that would ultimately empower them to change the world of their day. It is that meaning which applies to us as well. One of the reasons I suspect Christianity is so weak, so ineffectual in our world today is that we have relegated the truth that Jesus is alive, that he's risen from the dead into an intellectual theological abstraction that, while perfectly true, is not the same thing as having a relationship with the risen Lord. We can know tons of scripture. We can know history. We can know ancient languages and cultural norms. I certainly think those things are important, but not as ends in themselves, but as means to their proper end, to know Jesus. Knowing understanding, are at the service of loving the person of the risen Jesus and allowing oneself to be loved by him. Otherwise, knowing and understanding degenerate into cold academic books that do little to nothing in deepening one's relationship with the Lord. When all is said and done, What did the risen Lord want from his disciples? What does he want from each of us? The answer is simple. To be to him what he called his disciples in John's gospel, chapter 15, verse 15. A powerful word. Friends. I'm not sure we appreciate the power contained within that word. For the ancients, friendship was one of the most rewarding and life-affirming relationships a person could have. Oh yes, one had one's spouse and family members, but the sharing of ideas, the sharing of goals, of working together for the common good, supporting one another in life's struggles and tragedies gave one's life depth of meaning, intense value, and satisfaction. Pagans, especially the Greeks and the Romans, devoted much philosophical thought and literature to the gift of friendship. Jews also esteemed friendship as a great blessing from God because friends helped each other to stay on the right path to God. In the Old Testament book of Sirach, chapter 6, verses 14 through 16, The sacred author is inspired by God to write, A faithful friend is a sturdy shelter. He that has found one has found a treasure. There is nothing so precious as a faithful friend, and no scales can measure his excellence. And this verse I love, A faithful friend is an elixir of life, and those who fear the Lord will find him. Whoever fears the Lord directs his friendship aright. Both pagans and Jews viewed friendship as one of the highest forms of human love and viewed that a life without friendship was a very impoverished one. Friendship is what the risen Lord wanted from his disciples and it is friendship that he wants to have with us. He opened the scriptures to them as he opens them to us, not to satisfy intellectual curiosity, but so we will allow him, invite him to be our friend so he can guide us to our true end and to allow ourselves to be his friends who can help each other along the way. Now I realize how childishly simple this must all sound, but genuine friendship is anything but childish. It requires a desire to grow in maturity, which can only come from self-sacrifice, placing trust in the other. At times, placing the need of the other is more important than one's own. A willingness to forgive and mutual support, especially in difficult times. And like all friendships, A friendship with the risen Lord requires that we give him the one thing most precious to us. The one thing we obsess about. The one thing we constantly complain that we don't have enough of. Time. When we don't spend the gift of time with our friends with Jesus, then inevitably, life-giving intimacy dies.